0: Welcome everybody again for another episode of Turnbuckle Talk. This is Slade coming to you live from North Alabama. And as always, my co-host, the wonderful, the great, the man who keeps the, the man who's the straw that serves the drink, if I can get it out right, that is Matt. Matt, how's it going down there in South Mississippi?
1: Man, I'm blessed, Slade. Uh, no complaints at all, man. It's getting close to Christmas time, uh, even though it may not feel like it weather-wise, but it's getting that time you can start to feel it a little bit my son's been getting more excited by the day about christmas so that you know that naturally gets me a little excited about it Uh, so all things considered man we're blessed uh everybody's healthy everybody's doing good so uh, no complaints from me how about you
0: none here um had a wedding this weekend i know you did as well my cousin got married um so you're getting ready for christmas we got our I've got my last Christmas shopping done, so um, we got uh, gotta get those gifts for our, my folks, but we got that taken care of. We celebrated my dad's birthday yesterday; he turned sixty last Tuesday. So, um, doing that, so it's been a it's been a hectic week, but a fun week, and uh, getting geared up for uh, Christmas time.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah the the fun the fun hectic is much more preferable over the, the stressful. Right. Right. Well, good, man. Glad to hear you're doing great. Uh, happy belated birthday to your pops.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, I hope everybody that's tuning in is doing great as well. hope you're getting ready for, for the holidays, for Christmas and and, and spending time with family uh, because that's what's important this time of year. Uh, before we get into everything today i want to do my usual my usual uh shameless plug if you have facebook if you have twitter please give us a follow on both of those platforms it would be greatly greatly appreciated on facebook we are at buckle talk and on on the twitter we are at turnbuckle p once again it would be greatly appreciated and that would be the best way and the easiest way for you to keep up with all things turnbuckle talk um try and live tweet on the twitter account when we can uh but yeah please give us a like and a follow on those social media platforms it would be greatly greatly appreciated um so with that being said slade you want to tell the people what we're getting into today
0: uh yes so matt and i this is about a month ago recorded a watch along episode um from the october 15th 1994 episode of wwe superstars or wwf superstars really and we did this because it features, um, and it's only for a few minutes, but it features kind of among the uh, more famous moments in the character development of Bob Backlund, uh, the crazy Bob Backlund that came back in 94 after leaving for years after holding the WWF title from 1978 to 1983. And so I've really always been fascinated by that character. And we, I thought, 45-minute episode would be a good, it'd be a nice episode to go along with. We had some technical issues. We tried to record it, tried to kind of piece it together. It didn't work. So we're going to go back and redo this. And so we've so we've seen it before, so we know what's coming. But, again, this episode, there's it's, it's a very uh, mid-90s WWF uh, production. And uh, I, I hope that y'all enjoy it.
1: Yeah. And just to clarify, Slade was being nice when he said we had technical difficulties. It was all me. It was all Matt. My computer, uh, just a little behind the curtains here, probably I would say 99% of the time that we record before I get on with Slade to record, I have a very, very strong urge to throw my computer through the window. Um, That's every time I record. So it's, it's always a fight with me and my computer to get things going. And this, this particular occasion, the computer won, And so, uh, we had recorded probably, I would say 85% of the episode. And then my computer just started going all haywire and stuff. And it kicked us out of the zoom call and all this and that. And I just said, screw it. We'll redo it at a later date and hopefully it'll be easier. Uh, well the later date is now uh, so we're going to try and do it everything on my end seems to be back to normal you know we've recorded an episode or two since then everything's been fine so hopefully this one will go as smooth as it possibly can with what i'm working with uh, so that yeah that, that that's what went down with this one but uh and so before we get into this watch along i think it would be uh, I think we should kind of mention you know we mentioned on the last episode that we recorded last week about Jeff Hardy yeah uh, being sent home and you know there it, it was all speculation as to what was going on and what what was uh happening with him and and you know we just both said that we whatever it was we wish him the best you know ho- hopefully he's all right and and he can Uh, Whatever needed to be fixed could be fixed. Uh, Since then, a couple of days after we recorded that episode, it came out that WWE released him. I guess it was on Friday, maybe Thursday or Friday, they released him. Um, And it also came out that they had offered him uh, rehab and counseling or whatever, you know, things to help him out. Uh, It was stated that he refused the, the, the offer from WWE, and I assume that's when they released him. Uh, You know, I don't care about his personal life like that. I just hope for his sake, his family's sake, his friends' sake, that if there is anything wrong uh, personally with him, uh, that he can find the necessary help to get back on the right track. Uh, Like I said, don't want to assume anything, even though he did get released and all this and that. But uh, I just wanted to say, you know, whatever the issue is with Jeff Hardy, uh, professionally, personally, mentally, physically, anything, whatever the issue is, wish nothing but the best for the man. Uh, and and hopefully when the time is right, you know, we, we can see him on TV again, whether it's in WWE, whether it's in AEW, Ring of Honor, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see uh, Jeff Hardy again, because I don't think that this is how he wants to go out. I don't think no. this is how he should go out. Um, uh, so hopefully, for his sake, that'll happen down the road sooner rather than later. but you know the 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 important part of it is that he's all right personally um and and that's my hope for him at this point
0: yeah um you hope obviously he's had the well documented issues and you know the the them saying that they they offered him help and he didn't take it. You know, you, you hope whatever it is he gets he gets what he needs and gets on his feet because the outpouring you don't see this a lot and I don't know, but the WWE has actually officially announced that they've released him yet. To be honest with you, I know it was reported, but I don't know if they ever did. But like all the WWE people. Biggie, Cedric Alexander, um, Ali, have all you know. There have been several that have said about how much they they professionally and personally love Jeff Hardy and wish and hope for the best for him because they didn't want him. They wanted him back, and they wanted him to be well. So it seems like, and I think we talked about it last week, he's universally beloved. Like everybody who knows him loves him, and so I hope he can get what he needs because again the wrestling business is better having jeff hardy in it
1: oh 100 percent. and you know we might have touched on it last week but i think you know and i even mentioned that i will i recently watched an episode of monday night raw from 1994 and he was wrestling herner Hurst helmsley in like triple h's second ever monday night raw match and to be around that long and and like you stated, nobody has a negative word to say about the man professionally or personally, uh, in that business. I've, i I mean him and probably Ray Mysterio or, you know, the two right. that, that have been in it for so long and you won't hear a negative word from a, uh, from another wrestler or somebody that has dealt with them. And, and that speaks volumes in that business for nobody, nobody to have yeah. a negative thing to say about you and to be in it for that long. Uh, because they've had plenty of chances to rub somebody the wrong way, or you know, piss somebody off, and you won't hear anybody mention that. Yeah. Uh, no. So yeah, our thoughts go out to him, uh, and like I said, hopefully, hopefully whatever the issue is will get corrected, and 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 we'll see him on TV sooner rather than later. Right. But right. yeah, I, I just thought we should kind of address that because that happened after we recorded last week, and uh, it was kind of a noteworthy item. Yeah. Um, but other than that, man, I think everything else is uh pretty good. Uh you want to go ahead and get into this watch along?
0: Absolutely. Let's let me get my let me get my remote ready.
1: Yeah, yeah. And before we do press play, remind them of what we're watching again, Slade.
0: Okay. It is the WWF Superstars or WWE Superstars, October 15th, 1994
1: Right. And on the Peacock, that would be season nine, episode 42. Yes. Um, So, everybody should be there by now. Slade, let's uh, let's give them a countdown and then
0: tell us to play, and we'll play it, and we'll start watching. All right. Three, two, one, play. Uh, Yes, the – Jerry Lawler with his crown tipping it. Lex Luger flexing over here. Oh, the Heartbreak Hotel. There's Arnold Scholand, who um, was the manager for Bob Backlund in 1983, he threw the towel in to give the belt to the Iron Sheik. And if astute as WWE fans would know, Sheik winning the belt was the precursor to Hulk Hogan coming in and winning the belt, and Hulkamania starting in the WWE because it started in many- Minneapolis. A couple years earlier.
1: And the Iron Sheik still holds grudge to this day. Yes. And it's a thing of he, beauty.
0: He wants, yes, he wants to it, it, every day there is something uh, knocking Hulk Hogan. And we got Vince McMahon and the King. It's all it says, but it's Jerry Lawler and he looks ridiculous. But he always did look ridiculous. I love the crown. Oh yeah. Lawler's facial expressions are great. Like he'll have this big grin on his face, and then somebody else say something, and he'll just get this like angry look or this perturbed look.
1: Yeah, I always thought that Lawler and McMahon worked well together on commentary. He
0: really did. Like, and and you know, um, Lawler Lawler and McMahon had a had a feud going in Memphis around this time.
1: Like, I, yeah, I knew about the feud, the, but I didn't know it was around the same time frame. I think
0: it might, might – maybe was a little bit earlier, but it was a, but I know it was around the mid-90s, around the time Lawler got there, because that's the, that's, the, that's the beginning of the Mr. McMahon character, and it is glorious to watch. Right. You now he's sending all of his guys down to Memphis to take all the belts, and Lawler's having to fight them off, and there's literally a match where the goal was to burn somebody, throw a fireball in their face. And here we go with our with our opening match. We've got Shawn Michaels and Diesel. I forget the names of the two jabronis they fought, but... The two jabronis Mc... will suffice. Yes. We they're here fighting, they're at, talking to McMahon and Lawler on the way down there. Sean and Diesel, the WWF Tag Team Champions.
1: I think that's the only time I've ever seen him... Called Sean, like on the name scroll yeah. or whatever that's called.
0: Yeah, not Sean Michaels or HBK or the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Michaels or any of that stuff.
1: So Vince was wanting to take away names back in 1994. Yes, he was. <laughs> He'd fit in, Sean would fit in perfectly today.
0: Oh, yes. He might go with Michaels. You never know.
1: That's very true.
0: Let's see here. Reno oh. Riggins, oh yeah, Reno Riggins, a Smoky Mountain wrestling star. I remember him.
1: Yeah, I remember old Reno.
0: Reno, I believe, is the guy in the, uh, uh, in the like the amateur wrestling singlet. I think they've got that dude that was that weird dude who was on there. I can't think of his name right off. I need to look it back up. He's telling jokes. Yeah, that is Reno Riggins in the singlet. He's got Sean in a headlock right now. We've got mulleted Mike Kiyota as the referee tonight. And the Ico Pro's going.
1: is one of the ones who doesn't really get mentioned when it comes to referees, but that man, God, he was in what, like, 92?
0: He was in WWE? Yeah, he was. I think he was there. I want to say even – I think he was 31 years when he got fired last year.
1: Okay, so that would be 89.
0: 89, I believe.
1: Yeah, he's – you know, people always talk about Earl Hebner and Tim White and all that, but like Kyoto. Kyoto
0: was there for a long time. Yeah, he's seen some things. Meanwhile, Shawn Michaels is throwing Reno Riggins all, all out of the ring. Shawn and Diesel is helpfully getting Riggins back into the ring. Awful nice. and. Awful nice of Diesel, you know? Yeah,
1: very considerate.
0: Yeah, he, you know, he could have just left him out there, but he got him back in there.
1: Would you say that, you know, and it, for some – oh, nice super kick. Uh, for, for somebody on the outside looking in, would you say that around this time, 94, was about the time that Shawn Michaels started, like, <laughs> embracing his real assholeness? Yes. And, like, it really started to shine through?
0: Yes. So, this is funny because HBK hits Sweet Chin Music. It's not the finish.
1: No, it wasn't. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. But it was beautiful.
0: It was a great super kick. But basically, they he tags Diesel in. Diesel throws Riggins over the corner to tag in his pr- partner, Tim Scott. Diesel has hit a big boot, and now he's setting up for the jackknife.
1: Oh, that's so scary. Just dropping him on his head. Yes. You know, looking at Diesel, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, and he's a large human being by, yes. you know, any stretch of the imagination. He's a large human being. But then you think about, like, somebody like Omos and, like – Yes. Just how big somebody like
0: Omos is. Yes. Yes. Because Nash is seven – I think he's every bit of seven foot. No Omos, I believe, is seven three. Meanwhile, he, I love the gimmick where Diesel would do the work, and then HBK would tag in and get the pin. I love that that deal, but, yeah, Diesel's a big man.
1: Oh, he, he's a large human, but just, you know, you see somebody like Omos, and he's so thick. Yes. Right, he's tall and big, you know. Let's
0: see here. Nice Look at boot. that boot. That's a nice boot. And then, dang.
1: always have a soft spot for this uh, TV screen video uh,
0: board, too. Yes. So, we've got some live events from WWE Live Event News. Highest action of the day is right here, Charlie Men. That's who it was. I believe he lasted about three weeks. I remember looking him up and like, there's not much on him. I think he ended up going back to Cleveland as a uh, as a as a broadcaster. Speaking of, this is random, and I probably should wait till he shows up, but it's the same time frame. I had a I had a dream on on Saturday morning, and I've got to tell you about it. I got to tell these people about it. Absolutely. So, so as you know, there's a lot of storms Sunday or Friday night, Saturday morning, um, and that front came through North Alabama about about five o'clock Sunday uh, uh, Saturday morning. But right before my fiance called me to tell her to come up to her grandparents' place at their storm shelters, um, I had a dream that Todd Pettengill, the Todd Pettengill, had gotten a job as a local sportscaster in Huntsville. And his first game was going to be close to where I live. And so me and my brother were trying to get down there to get his autograph. And like we were, we were scheming of ways to get down there so we could get his autograph because we were so geeked up that Todd Pettengill was going to be there. <laughs> That's funny. Lord. That's funny. Todd Pettengill or Petting Zoo as Jim Cornette would call it. Yeah.
1: So we just had a, a Paul Bearer vignette where, yes. he was, where he was pumping up The Undertaker and they were in Little A. Little like he
0: was there's yeah, Pitt. There he is. Too.
1: But yeah, now they're doing a whole Undertaker package, um, the heart but,
0: attack tour. Yeah,
1: they're they're building up the Undertaker really big here, but anytime you get to see Paul Bearer cutting a little promo in a vignette, that's always some good good viewing.
0: Oh, absolutely. Bear, he had the dead gum, uh, uh, uh oh, dang gummit the. Stupid, stupid call. Sorry about that. You're good. Uh, here we go. Uh, here comes Bob Spark Plug Holly.
1: With two Gs.
0: Yes. That makes it more extreme, you know? Uh,
1: yeah, it adds a little pizzazz to it, too.
0: Okay, I, I, I'm sorry. Knowing how Bob Holly is kind of in real life and sort of the character he portrayed later on, him being all smiley and goofy and yeah. uh, jumping up and down is is kind of jarring because he's a he's kind of a curmudgeon in real life.
1: Yeah, if you would have if
0: gotten I to I a curmudgeon in real life,
1: yeah, if you would have gotten to wrestling and seen Hardcore Holly first and then went back and saw Bob Holly or Spark Plug Holly, you'd be really confused.
0: Yes, it's kind of a it's kind of like a it's kind of like a record scratch moment when you see him being all smiley and glad handy because that's not hardcore Holly or from all accounts the real Bob Holly at all right Bob Holly throwing a nice hip toss here I love the thing where, oh that's he always had a really good drop
1: kick. yeah that was really smooth
0: I like the I love the, the spot where He whipped him in, and he, uh, and uh, the guy went for the leapfrog, and Holly just stopped and then kicked him in the gut. Yeah, I've
1: always liked that. This guy he's facing looks like a young rhino.
0: It really does.
1: Got some tree trunk legs.
0: I don't think it is. I think the guy's name is Mike Bell. Yeah, but he does look like he does look like a young rhino. Uh, so he so breaks out a gore here. Oh,
1: that would be great. Uh that Paul Bearer vignette reminded me have you ever heard Bruce Pritchard tell the story of shooting the 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 skit or vignette of Big Boss Man and Big Show at the at the grave at the funeral at the uh, no, cemetery?
0: No, but that no, but that's one of the so over the top ridiculous you can't help but laugh moments in WWF history.
1: Slade, you i'll send you the link after we're done recording but also to the people out there listening if you have not heard bruce pritchard tell the backstory of them shooting that at that uh cemetery for the big show and uh big boss man yes when big show's dad passed away and they were having the funeral for him please go search on youtube just search bruce pritchard uh, big boss man, big show, or something like that. It'll pop up, and dude, like I said, I'll send you the link. But it is absolutely hilarious—the uh, backstory behind that whole shoot.
0: High crossbody. I keep that. That whole thing sounded hilarious. Yeah. It- so spark plug wins. The crowd gets up and they start looking toward the entrance, like something's about to happen. And Vince it's, McMahon is heading to the ring to interview uh, WWE Hall of Famer and former manager of Bob Backlund, Arnold Skolin.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say around this time, uh Spark Plug was still being they were still really behind him a lot, huh? Trying to yes. trying to build him up.
0: Yes. <laughs> we got a Razor Ramon vignette here. like he's confessing his sins to the, uh, to the preach, to the preacher here. Razor,
1: excuse me. Razor has always been an interesting case for me, because if you go back and watch the stuff where, you know, all his uh, introductory vignettes and all this, like, they were behind him a lot, right? They were, yes, they were pushing him a lot. And then obviously he had that ladder match with Shawn Michaels and, and all the, you know, these memorable things, but, and then you look at it, he was never world champion. He obviously, he had the intercontinental championship and whatnot. Um, But it's just one of those confusing things where if, if I don't know how to put it, but like, they pushed him enough to be champion, but it never got to that point. Right. You know, because he was one of the bigger guys uh, physically, but uh, with the fans, uh, the fans were all over him and they absolutely oh, loved they love that him. gimmick. And you feel like, in that era, uh, the era of the gimmick, if you want to call it that, that he would have been perfect to have the title at some point. Um, but it just never happened.
0: Just never just timing never did seem to be right,
1: yeah, because. I was, oh, to, I was just going to say that you know people look back very fondly on Razor Ramon, and I think that's one of the the things that actually um, helps the argument that you don't need you know championships don't make the the character uh, per right. se. Like he's a shining example. Him and Ricky Steamboat are probably the two best examples. Um, yes, you know because neither one of them ever held the champ the the big title, but they're both still kept in. Very, very high regard,
0: regardless. Right. We got so Skolin's in the ring and he's trying to explain himself. Um, they show the they now they show the spot from MSG where where Skolan throws the towel in and he says it's to save Backlund from himself because Backlund would never give up and Backlund was going to get hurt. Um, and people, I'm telling you, we're about to get a treat because. Bob Backlund's about to show up, and Bob Backlund is awesome.
1: Yeah, I will say, if you haven't seen Bob Backlund um, or or watched much of his promos or anything like that, go back to this era, this episode. Here he comes down to the ring. But this episode and this whole era. The
0: running down the ring with the towel in his hand.
1: Yeah, he's livid.
0: He is screaming, finger in face. (laughs) Jerry Laws said, get him, Bob. You have the audacity to come out here and say you wanted to save my career and, and, and Vince is like <laughs> you're seeing both Vince's face here. I love it. You're been in a tornado. You're been in a hurricane.
1: <laughs> this is great. How do you think Bob Backlund would fare? in today's WWE with scripted promos. Because <laughs> you know and none of his could. promos were scripted. There's no way he would memorize a promo. I feel like he, he he might even try to memorize it, and I feel like he would just get too excited and just start winging it.
0: And then, okay, he tells him that Scotland hasn't contacted him ever since this happened. He kept waiting for one. Skolin gives the "I'm sorry you feel that way" apology, which is a crappy one. Bob looks kind of confused. Vince is yelling at him to uh, to shake his hand, and Backlund's like, "No, I don't think so." And then Backlund screams that you read his script, and now here he comes. He grabs him and he gets him in the crossface chicken wing. I'm going to tell you something. When I was a kid, when I was, like, eight years old and he came back, the cross chicken wing terrified me. Like I was
1: about to say the same thing.
0: Like, 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 that move terrified. Like, if Backlund got you in that, like, it looked like it hurt. Yeah. And he doesn't really have it, like, locked in on – like, you can tell that he doesn't have it, like, truly locked in on him. You can tell he's taking it easy because it's an old man.
1: Yeah, but I think it's the emotion move, that he's putting out.
0: Is, yeah, like the way he would like cinch in and his eyes would bug out and he would just start yeah. Like I always was that move scared me to death. I was like, if I ever got put in that
1: all right, so you-
0: Skolin's leaving the ring now. Um, Vince McMahon's looking back and
1: Bob Backlund doesn't know what to do with his hands.
0: Bob Backlund doesn't know. What to do with his- Again, I think I've mentioned this. yet. they they talked about this was the possibility of him being uh controlled by Papa Shango Bob Holly's chewing his butt out Bob Holly is disgusted by this display Bob Holly's disgusted by a lot of displays though
1: that is that is facts
0: um I mean Lawler is just bashing all the way
1: oh he loves it
0: oh uh, he loves it and now we go to commercial break Mini Max putting his headphones back on he looks a little uh it looks a little flustered. Lawler's laughing because, again, it was a terrible apology by Arnold Scholand. It really was.
1: I think one of the greatest things about Jerry Lawler that nobody really brings up is that he commentated in his wrestling gear, so he was always yes. ready. Yeah. Like, he stayed ready. Like he, You want to match? Okay, we'll go. Like, <laughs> he was always in his wrestling gear. It's great.
0: It was great because in and there were times in the mid 90s where he would get up, wrestle a match, go the commentary right? position, wrestle the match, mm-hmm. then after it's over, he'd go back and do go do commentary some more.
1: Yeah, he would just stand up already geared up and ready to yeah. go.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's great. <sighs> and now we got, we got and Dink and
0: Dink. There's Dink.
1: Yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely the era, you know, of, I call it the gimmick era, uh, you know, 94, 93, 94, 95. Um, everything's gimmicked up to the to yes. the extreme. But I will say I think this era gets a bad rap um because we look back on it as just hokey, terrible, carny, uh which it was to an extent right but i think it was i think it's one of those that because honest to god man whenever i go back and watch wrestling like my first inkling is to go back to this era and a lot of us probably because that's right when i got into it and whatnot and the whole nostalgia and what whatever but at the same time like in short spurts i enjoy this this era you know i couldn't sit here and watch a marathon of it but You know, watching an episode or two here and there, like it's entertaining.
0: Absolutely. Meanwhile, Dink has got, I don't know what that is. It looks like a wand or something, but it's it's, uh, it's the, the.
1: They stole a blaster from Johnny B. Bad. Uh, they infiltrated. Oh, WCW. That's it. They stole the
0: bad blaster.
1: Yeah. They, they infiltrated WCW. That,
0: that's, why, that's why wild man, Mark Merrow came to the WWE.
1: That was the He's first. Trying to
0: get blaster back.
1: That was the first true invasion. Slade. You're over right. The, over the bad blaster. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to bring it up. I know it's tap, but that's the first invasion right there.
0: That's it. Meanwhile, Doink we just is cracked wrestling the case. some guy named. We, we did it. <laughs> doink is wrestling some guy named Corey Student. Um not looking much, he's looking kind of like the teacher right there. He not got a good shoulder block here on Doink on good old Doink. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Evil Doink was hilarious. Um Goofy Doink. Uh in short spurts, he wasn't so bad. Look at Dink. He is so excited.
1: I love Dink. I know we talked about it before, but I love Dink.
0: Dink was okay. It was when you got to stinking pink that you it kind of overstayed its <laughs> welcome.
1: That's true. Uh I think we talked about it. it might have been on the episode that we didn't get to release. But, you know, I equated Dink to Scrappy-Doo Uh yes. Scooby-Doo. And because you kind of you, you you told me that you like Dink on or Doink on his own. I'm going to get so confused here, but you like Doink on his yes. own and, and Dink was all right, you know, um, and I kind of, you know, and I was like, I love Scrappy-Doo. And I think you told me you didn't care for Scrappy-Doo. Uh,
0: I wasn't a huge Scrappy
1: fan. Yeah, and so I think it's one of those things because my fiance is the same way. She hates Scrappy dude. Like she'll not watch. She's like, Scooby Doo and Scrappy came on. I changed the channel as a kid. Like she did not like Scrappy. She just loved Scooby, but I loved Scrappy. Like I thought he added something to it, you know. Um, and that's kind of how I feel with Dean. Like he, he, I loved him. Like him bouncing on the ropes then like that's, that's
0: joy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like the I whoopee said, cushion. Uh,
1: and it could have been because I was five years old when I first saw him, you know, and, and a yeah. little a little clown bouncing on the bottom rope. Like, that could be me. That, but, that
0: that appeals.
1: Yeah, so that could have had a lot to do with it. Now, I wouldn't expect, like, but, a 30-year-old at the time to enjoy that, right? No. And I guess that kind of, you know, it's the same way today. Uh, it's a variety show. They're trying to give everybody something.
0: Meanwhile, Vinny uh, Lawler's talking trash to to Doink because we're setting up a uh, uh, Survivor Series match between Doink, Dink, Pink, and Stink and the King and his guys, squeezy uh yeah, queasy, sleazy, and cheesy. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Now Doink's talking to he's doing a promo on Lawler honestly the
1: i was gonna say in this era i think i mean you had like like we've mentioned you had a lot of cheesy stuff uh but i think some of like the storylines were more cheesy than the actual characters um uh, because you had like yes. this with jerry well, Lawler and Doink. yeah and then here's but, wink but it's wink
0: and pink not pink. i'm sorry
1: yeah and then at the same time, you had you had Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart in a feud, but it ended up in like a kiss my foot match, you know? Yes,
0: um, yes. And so you just with, had and, and and the kiss my foot match led to the introduction of Isaac Yankum DDS.
1: Yeah, and then the Ultimate Warrior with Papa Shango. Like uh, the yes. storylines were very, very, very hokey and and just and then there's out the there.
0: There's the Bret Hart fighting Jean Lafitte for his jacket.
1: Yeah, so, I mean.
0: Uh, Hey, there's Todd Pettengill. Uh, Hey, I hope your uh, gig down in Huntsville works out for you, bud. We're going to try to get your autograph. (laughs) Oh, he's talking about the Action Zone next Sunday, October 23rd. It's their new Sunday show to go up against the NFL pregame shows.
1: Todd Pettingill.
0: Todd Pettingzoo.
1: Yeah.
0: The teacher from the Wonder Years is Ben Stein. Todd Pettingill, you show some respect. I'm sorry. I'll, Jimmy Johnson's a Hall of Famer. I'm. I love it. <laughs> Oh, but we do have a classic match here. We've got Brett versus Owen for the WWF title. So good. And they said this is the last time they'll ever fight for the belt. And I actually think it. I actually think it was.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. This is a long the only promo. place you
0: can see it exclusively on the debut broadcast of the WWE Action Zone. I think that was on USA. Actions
1: Zone didn't stay around too long, did it? No, it didn't. About to say, I don't
0: remember that. No, I think it was on for like maybe six months. Uh, we got a, we got a, we got a Jim the Anvil and Owen Hart promo here. I miss Owen.
1: Yeah.
0: Owen was awesome. He really was.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a tragedy in more ways than one with 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 him and and
0: yeah. how the and last it ended couple ended.
1: years ended and went.
0: There's Jim. Hard to believe they're both gone. Oh I know. I know. Here comes Owen's Heart's theme music. <laughs> 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 Most nineteen nineties. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna watch I feel like if I turn on ESPN, I'm gonna hear that music and watch Kirby Puckett hit a home run for the twins off David Cohn against the Royals.
1: Makes me think of Saved by the Bell.
0: That too. I absolutely (laughs) he and Owen is wrestling Mike Park. I miss I miss Jobber squashes. I ain't gonna lie. They, yeah. they 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 served a purpose. The, yeah. I'm trying to think of, like,
1: the last time they really did. I mean, it's been a while.
0: Every now and again, like, when, um, like, Umaga came up, they had him squash a bunch of local guys. Yeah. Nia Jax did that for a while. Braun Strowman did that for a little while. Yeah, I was but thinking, that's how yeah, we I was got, thinking Braun uh, Strowman. Because we got, oh – what was the dude with no chin? What was his name? Ellsworth. Yes, James Ellsworth. That's how we got introduced to James Ellsworth. That's right. Let's see here, Owen Hart with some, with some good technical wrestling and some trash talk, <laughs> and then he'd run away and roll, raise his hands and go, woo! It wasn't really a flare woo, but it worked.
1: It did. It was a good heel woo. Yes.
0: It was so obnoxious, you couldn't help but laugh. Oh, my part getting a, uh, what you may call it, getting a a a lock in, then a rake to the eyes from Owen, oh, a European uppercut. Takes the turnbuckle. So, is there an American uppercut? See, I feel like the American uppercut is just the regular when you punch a guy under the chin. But I've like watched a straight guys uppercut? In Europe fight, and it's a straight uppercut too. So I don't, I, I don't know why they call it a European uppercut. I really don't.
1: Yeah.
0: Owen missed a high knee, and Mike Parks getting some momentum going, and he's he's playing to the crowd, and Owen meanwhile is. <laughs> Owen's going outside for some encouragement from not, from the anvil, and I the feel, anvil just threw it sign away. I now Mike like, Park can try to sneak from behind and get Owen. It throws I, Owen into the ring, mulleted Kyoto. But, you know, so Kyoto tries to get Owen, and now, ooh, a clubbing shot to the back from the anvil.
1: I feel like Mike <laughs> Park, before he got into wrestling, he had to be a basketball player. Not Hart. No, Mike Park.
0: Mike Park. Okay. I was gonna say Ninehart was a football player, but Mike Park might have been.
1: He's got some long legs. Yes, he does. He's really tall. He's gotta be like six seven, six eight. Yeah.
0: Cause Owen wasn't like tiny tiny.
1: No, he was Owen's about six one, six two, I think. Let's see if we can find anything.
0: If I can find anything about him. Owen Hart, so much fun to watch. Yes, I swear this looks like the only time that he ever wrestled. Like there, there is no, um, there's like no information on this guy
1: whatsoever. Well, I will say he just took if that it was his only time to wrestle. He took probably the most beautiful missile dropkick I've seen. That was a thing of beauty. Yes. Owen
0: Owen could go. Owen could go. Let's see. Michael Park. Wrestling. It's just bugging me because I can't find anything about him.
1: Yeah, usually you can find something about, like, the most obscure job wrestler. Right.
0: Oh, wait, now this is where they're making fun of the NFL shows. Mike Zitka. Yeah.
1: And this was didn't before. Didn't look anything the, like Mike Zitka at all. Yeah, this was before all the uh, Billionaire Ted stuff.
0: Yeah. Greg Gumball and Xion Danders. <laughs> I gotta say the Greg Gumble actually looks more like Dion than the Dion. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I had that same thought.
0: I see Yokozuna just launching on somebody. Captain Crunch. Let's see here. Is this let's see here. Tony DeVito.
1: He looks like he's from New York, so
0: he's, so he's probably from Staten Island. That's what I thought it was. It's made in the USA, Lex Luger. We talked about this before. Luger just never seemed right in the made in the USA gimmick.
1: Yeah, it didn't feel natural.
0: No. He's got a little fan. He's gonna carry the flag. He's wearing the he's wearing the made in the USA Lex Luger gear.
1: Yeah, like I get I get the reason for putting Luger in this spot with this gimmick. Yes. Uh because obviously McMahon wanted the next Hulk Hogan. And I mean, good God, Luger had the look for sure. Luger had the look and, and he but, is
0: a big name, but yeah. yeah. But
1: I, I feel like if they would have kept going with that narcissist gimmick, um they you had somewhere there. there i
0: think that felt more natural
1: yeah and you could have just went in different directions with it you know like right. you could
0: you could always like make him you could basically turn him to the total package that he became in wcw
1: yeah yeah and that's, and that's basically what that was was an evolution of that yes but with this you're just you're you're pigeonholed you're kind of yeah and and you're trying you're basically trying to recreate the same thing like going you know doing the same steps that you and did it's with Hogan. Hard to recreate it. and that yeah that was natural and uh this was far from it it was forced it was pushed yes. it was um uh, it wasn't organic
0: right and that's the thing about it and again if you try to reinvent the wheel on something like that because a lot of what made Hulk Hogan work was Hulk Hogan himself. Right.
1: And, and well, now, now we have a whole history. You got Lexley of, you know, Vince coming out and, and, and basically telling you this is the guy. Um, Luger. Right. The Rock. Uh, Drew McIntyre on his first run. Um, right. Orton to an extent at, at the beginning. Um, yes. You yes. know, where they're trying to outwardly tell you, hey, look, this is right here. This is who you should be focused on. It's backfired. Right. You know, it's got to be organic.
0: And there's a reason that Steve Austin became the, one of the biggest stars they've ever had. And you would have never pegged that. And The Rock didn't really become anything until he completely reinvented who he was.
1: Uh, the Rock. Yeah.
0: Like blue chip by H- H- Rocky Monothea probably would have never gotten any further than it did.
1: No, he didn't start to evolve until a nation of domination. Um, yeah. Until, got- he
0: became, until he became, until he was able to kind of, as he's always said, take Dwayne Johnson and turn him up to 11.
1: Yeah. And then they had him and Farouk kind of going at it on the microphone. Yeah. And that's right. when it started to really spark and and you could see the confidence building.
0: Meanwhile, poor Mr. DeVito is being racked.
1: Right. Yeah, he never you know, had a I chance. I thought
0: that move wasn't that bad until it got put me on it when I was in sixth. put me in it when I was in sixth grade. That, that hurts.
1: I just feel like that would, that's not a smart finishing move because I feel like that's not going to be, it's kind of like the leg drop. Like, I can't feel good after years of doing it.
0: No, no, no. I mean, I don't care how strong you are. And I know that you're de- like that carry is designed to carry heavier people, but doing that for three hundred days a year for twenty years will probably wear on you.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily you the, the young the, man
0: in the ring waving the flag.
1: Yeah, it's it's not necessarily the picking up this, but it's like him bouncing around, right? You know, that's Why going up and down change. on your back on your shoulders. <laughs> I mean, that's like Matt Hardy with his leg drop. He's done that thing it's, off the a steel cage and yeah. stuff, and you see how he's walking yeah, and, now.
0: I mean, even Hogan, who did probably the easiest, softest, most easy leg drop ever, is talked about how he still has problems with his tailbone and his back from it. Because
1: Hadn't he said he's lost walk. like two inches? Yeah. Like right, two or three inches I mean
0: granted it's hogan, so I gotta take it kind of yeah soft, probably an inch and a half he was yeah. walking, but he was walking with a walking cane the other day yeah, I uh, hear coach Yoko Yoko is starting to get um um like morbidly fat, but he hasn't quite gotten there yet, but he is yeah.
1: He's another one that scared me as a kid.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yoko. And I think if you, if, if I'd have gotten to see younger Yoko when he was still not this big, but big, but could move like he could. Right. Cause that was the thing that always scared me about Vader when he was in WCW. Because you've got this six, eight, 400 pound mountain of a man that can do moonsaults. Yeah. Like that's terrifying. If you're, if you're a six year old Slade and, Yep. You know, you see this guy fighting Sting, and you're like, oh, God, he's going to squash him. Mr. Fuji always cracks me up. Mr. Fuji, and oh, we've gotten an announcement. Spark Plug Holly has challenged Bob Backlund for a nat- match next week. I can't tell who this is that, that Yoko's wrestling, but he's got, he looks like a prisoner.
1: Whoever it is ain't going to last long.
0: No, no, he doesn't look like he looks like them peanut butter candies that you get that have this pinstripe wrapper. That's what he looks like.
1: Uh huh. Looks like a damn zebra. I'll go with that. He looks he looks <laughs> ridiculous, is what he looks. You'll go with the clothesline. Speaking of ridiculous, Jim Cornette's ringside.
0: As all, he doesn't have the, I, can't, I couldn't tell what he had on. Oh, he's got on the yellow, yellow, yellow shirt. The yellow sports coat and red jacket—is that a purple tie? Yep. The that is a Uranagi. That's the Rock Bottom.
1: That was an absolute. Oh,
0: that was a nasty one too. Because he got that dude went way up.
1: Oh, he just slung that guy. Yeah. Right, That's true definition of manhandling right there. Absolutely.
0: Meanwhile, Yoko. Yoko is in the ring. He's talking to Fuji and uh, Paul Bear and uh, Jim Cornette. They're talking about the match he's going to have with the Undertaker at uh, at um, Survivor Series as a casket match. And there's Paul Bear wheeling the casket down to the ring. Yoko doesn't see it.
1: Is this the segment where Yoko gives the great expression?
0: yes yes it is so bear just has the casket sitting ringside he opens it up yoko's backing away like trying to figure out where the undertaker's coming from and here we go yoko's backs to it and fuji's helpfully fuji and cornet are helpfully pointing out that look behind you he turns around he sees it and oh that is glorious
1: that's the best bump he's taken in a while
0: like and he like he sells being just totally spooked.
1: Yeah, yeah. No,
0: he's out of there. <laughs> he's like, gone. Uh, uh-uh, uh. He's done. He out. He is out. Yeah. No, he nailed that. Cool. Huh. Mm-hmm. And now we've got some, let's see here. Oh, this is a, this is toward the end of the Macho Man's run with Slim Jim on WWF programming. Yeah. And of course that was always the rumored reason that Vince got so upset because not only did Macho Man leave, he took Slim Jim with him.
1: Yeah. And then WW, uh, WCW pounced on that.
0: Yes, they did. And they Charlie did for live event news. We hope that you're enjoying the hottest, and I don't know what that is, <laughs> cameras. Oh, the 11th, 11th Annual Italian American Association's Dinner. This is a long segment. They're talking about how, how Italian Americans are blah, 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 blah. But the reason <laughs> they show this is Macho Man Randy Savage at a black tie event wearing his hat yes. and his sequin jacket.
1: And he's got his hand wrist taped.
0: Oh, that man was never out of character. Minimax oh, Max God. there. I uh, can't tell who that is. Jack Scalia. He has started made-for-TV movies. And the Macho Man, as usual, drew attention of attention plenty of attractive young ladies. Oh, gosh. Hey, there's Rudy Giuliani. That
1: man's been around.
0: Yeah, he's mayor of New York City at this point. <laughs> oh, I forget about his son Andrew. Is this is this Mario Cuomo, Matilda Cuomo, and then there's some Mark Simone, some W, some New York radio guy. Like this is clearly time filling here because we didn't get much out of those matches. I bet there's those matches were like five minutes at most.
1: Oh, that oh, Yokozuna match was
0: like a minute and a half. It yeah. There's Linda getting a the salad. <laughs> there's Linda getting a salad. Char- Charlie's in. You,
1: you sound like you're watching people at work on your lunch break. <laughs> yes. There's Linda getting a salad. <laughs> Charlie's over there talking shit again.
0: Charlie, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Charlie. Just stop it. Stop. Yeah, Charlie, shut up a couple weeks later. Here we go. Vinnie Mac and Terry the King are doing a great impression of Bob Holly. <laughs> so Holly's giving a speech here. He's fixing to give a promo. Bob and Bob. Let me tell you something, Bob Backlund. He calls him a bully. He said he has to deal with bullies all his life. and deal with them on the racetrack. There's people on the racetrack who don't care about winning. They just want to wreck you. And that's just like you wanting to hurt people, which, I mean, that's what he does. Those people put me in walls after the race was over. I went to pits and I beat them up. I mean that's a that's a stretch right there as far as like trying to tie racing into wrestling, but I'll go with <laughs> he, it. Yeah, he tried. He tried. It's the effort was there. And that should be about it, I think. Jerry Lawler's not impressed with Bob Backlund or with Bob Holly. <laughs> oh, we got the British Bulldog next week. He'll be in action. King Kong Bundy and Ted DiBiase. The one, two, three kid. Tatanka. More Ted DiBiase. And we have the Heartbreak Hotel with Doink, Dink, and Wink. Yeah. Jerry Lawler's having a, having a fit right now. And that'll do it. Titan Sports, copyright 1994. That is it for the October 15th, 1994 edition of Superstars
1: pretty good episode like you said and we
0: we got crazy bob like i will always pop for crazy bob Backlund.
1: oh always there wasn't much to the matches but there there didn't need to be they did the big
0: thing you get because you're kind of setting up for cert survivor series you get Backlund coming out yeah Um, i mean
1: if you go back and watch uh superstars or uh saturday night's main event like none of those shows you'd have it was rare that you had a, I don't want to say meaningful match, but uh, a, a match that went 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's not what those programs were set up for. Those
0: programs know. were designed to get people, get your big name guys over.
1: That, yeah, that and promotion mainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And
0: promote, and promote matches, shows, and whatever. Like, you know, they did the thing with the Italian American uh, thing for ma- the Macho Man because, hey, it's kind of cool. Of course, you know, a couple weeks later he'd be gone, but you couldn't have known that at that point. Right. October. I'm pretty sure the the Backland-Holly match actually opened the next episode of Superstars, but I miss Crazy Bob. Crazy Bob was great.
1: Oh, yeah. Most definitely, Crazy- man. That was a good episode
0: to pick. Oh, it was. I, I I, again, I will always pop for Bob for a crazy Bob back. And once again, the crossface chicken wing as a as an eight year old boy growing up, that move it, it just scared me to death.
1: Yeah, same same with me. It it yeah it uh. I was not eager to try that, you know.
0: Right. No, I was like. Because somebody once offered to put that move on me, and I was like, nope, 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 no thank you.
1: No, not at all. It was not fun. Well, yeah, slave. we got through it finally. We finally got it. We finally got the watch-along done. One more peek behind the scenes. We had more technical difficulties trying to do it again, but I think this time it worked, so – uh fingers crossed this this will be uh hitting your ears soon but yes with that being said Slade, you got anything else for the people or would that about wrap us up
0: that'll wrap us up i believe it was a great episode we got through the technical difficulties and we good to go
1: no for sure for sure well Slade, it was uh great catching up with you as always man uh, i'll say it again like i said last last episode since we're actually getting to record this one I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, whatever else. I, I just hope everybody's safe. Everybody uh, gets to spend time with family and people they care about, and people that care about them. Uh, and just remember the 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 quote unquote real reason for the season is you know get to get to see some people you love, people you care about, and, and vice versa, and tell people you love them and, and you care about them. Man, life is short we're not promised tomorrow uh so let's take advantage of today and 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 make sure that people know that we care about them and that we love them um because that's what's important in life so yeah i just hope that that everybody has a great holiday eat, eat all the food you can get all the presents you can and spend all the time with the people you care about the most um, absolutely and slade want to wish you a merry christmas as well um don't know if we'll be recording before Christmas or not, so I just want to go ahead and get that out there. Thank you, uh, appreciate you know, like, it.
0: Merry Christmas to you too, man. I
1: appreciate that, uh, and I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate you for for putting up with me and and doing this with me on a semi weekly basis. Um, and and as the the new year comes, uh you know, hopefully this this new year we can keep it going, man, and and uh, keep making this thing better uh or at least trying to um because i'm still enjoying it it's still one of the highlights of my week so um yeah before we get out of here if you're still listening please go give us a like and a follow on facebook and twitter Uh, once again on facebook we are at buckle talk and on twitter we are at turnbuckle p like i said earlier it would be greatly greatly appreciated uh, if you would do that for us and uh be on the lookout in the next week or two Uh, We should be having another episode drop in uh, in that time frame. Don't know what it is yet. Might be a watch along might be uh, who knows, who knows, we'll figure it out though. Um, But until then, this has been another episode of
0: Turnbuckle Talk and we appreciate you tuning in. Have a good.